0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. It is sponsored by two amazing sponsors. One is Braintree Code for online payments. If you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. It gives you an easy way to accept multiple payment types with one integration, and I want to talk to you more about that. We'll do it later in the show, though. And CSS DevConf, the URL for that is cssdevconf.com, an in-person conference coming up in Long Beach, California aboard the Queen Mary this giant beautiful boat docked there both dave and i will be there hanging out i just talked to christopher schmidt uh who runs the thing about kind of what me and dave are gonna do there i mean not much together actually but dave's got an awesome keynote planned and i'm gonna help run some kind of cool show and tell unconference stuff while there and just just hang out it's gonna be lovely check out cssdevconf.com for now let's kick things off Hello, Welcome to Shop Talk Show. This is Chris Coyer. Today's show brought to you in four parts, entitled, This Idea Must Die. And it's an interesting idea, I think. Uh, have you ever been aware of an idea that you just think is so weird, so absurd, so seemingly unlikely that you can't believe it even exists at all? That's what today's show is all about. Ideas that need to die, uh, especially pertaining to the web industries. Ideas that need to die... For the web industry to 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 move forward, maybe technical ideas, maybe big thinking ideas. We're going to bring you stories on uh, blind men and elephants, zealots in an ancient square, CSS selector performance.
1: Stay tuned. That was a maybe the best intro we've ever done. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> How, what inspired you? To
0: I don't know. That? I've been listening to a bunch of like good podcasts lately, and uh, oh, that's kind of how like, they do it.
1: They like like podcasts with editing and things like that. Yeah, not that I, we have we have,
0: we have excellent editing, but we just don't. You know, we don't have all day to, to like put little clips together and interview fifty people for, for for one episode. So we do what we can here. That was our uh, this season. We've been doing uh, different themes. We had a panel. We had a book club. We had uh, a more straight ahead interview kind of podcast. We're exploring different formulas. We'll probably we. Have a few more lined up in that, uh, just uh, just for fun. So that was this is our NPR esque uh, version, and uh, and uh, yeah, and we. But that is really the idea, isn't it? Is your idea?
1: Yeah, this is actually. So the the title of this show is "This Idea Must." die uh i was inspired by an episode of freakonomics which was inspired by a book of that title this idea must die uh it's this idea um in in the science community there's a there's a website edge.org i think it is and they sit around and they they kind of come up with uh things that are inhibiting uh the the progress of science and that's what they were kind of focusing on. oh interesting what in science is... is and there's what probably ideas a million holding of on science. To? They they had really interesting things, like like the idea of left brain, right brain. That's, like, not true. Like, uh, it, it, it's an idea that we all, like, hold on to. I even it, have a like, book
0: called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain that talks about that. But, it, you know, in the beginning it says, like, this may not be totally scientific. But it just makes a really good metaphor. But yet, unfortunately, that metaphor, even as untrue as it is gets into people's brains and, and they think it's true.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting, uh, I, I, I like the idea of taking, taking old established ideas and saying like, is and deconstructing it and saying like, is this necessary? Is this is this something we we must hold on to for here in eternity? Is this a a universal law, uh, or yeah. is this just something that has entered our collective conscience and kind of polluted it, or or even just kind of uh, sort of uh, I don't know. I like, think polluting like, it is a good word. I yeah, think, like uh, we stopped thinking about it, so it just exists.
0: It, it, it happens all the time in tech. There's just the way that things are, just because the way that they are, or they have you know. They just have certain weight, and so I think of uh, sometimes I think of Nicholas Gallagher when it comes to this stuff. That he, a lot of the work that he didn't put out, I, I feel like when he was most active doing it, was oftentimes questioning what's there. It happened a bunch of times in the in the you know like CSS reset land, like because a lot of times this stuff in a CSS reset feels so sacred, you know, it feels like somebody somebody put that there, and they must have really did the research because that weird line right there must do something, must, you know very specific whatever, and then then. That kind of got questioned over time, and we have done it different ways since then. And what it really needed was like some really strong documentation. I feel like that's what normalize became. And then, you know, Nicholas Gallagher would investigate, you know, clear fixes and that and uh, that type of thing. I I think that's interesting. It's that a clear fix felt like it was the way it was for a long time, and then. You know, you got to question a little bit to move on. That's a that's a much smaller idea than uh, than left brain right brain thinking or climate change or something like that. But that's that's what the show is going to have in it. It's going to have really big ideas. It's going to have really small ideas. Uh, all of which some people feel like must die. Let me just do one do one that I alluded to in the intro a little bit. Uh, CSS selector performance that became a thing. I don't know. I don't remember the roots of it. It would be interesting to to track that down at some point. But some you know, uh, I think it, th- some arguments came. During a time when, yeah, I, I definitely remember when Nick, Nicole Sullivan's CSS lint dropped and it had a very opinionated rule in it about ID selectors. And it, was, it really kicked off this conversation about how uh, ID selectors are bad news in CSS because of their specificity strength. Uh, and it was very controversial and lots of people had opinions about it. And it was kind of the hot drama of of that little time period for a while. And then it it settled down a little bit, but but one of the arguments that was dredged up during that time was that an ID selector, not only, you know, you can make whatever arguments you want to make in addition to this, but they're very fast, quote unquote fast. That that the that, that CSS, when it is being parsed by the browser, it can find an ID selector and apply it to the page much faster than it can. Any other kind of selector, uh, and, the, and some of the slower ones being tag selectors, you know, like div or a or span or whatever, are slow. And then the longer a selector gets, uh, so you know, there's examples of what a really slow selector might be like, you know, span 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 <laughs> or something, because then it has to be a span that's a descendant of a span that's descendant of a span, and descendant selectors are slow and uh, regular tag selectors are slow. So okay. So, in the, so every time I say fast or slow, imagine it with big quotes around it because it's technically true. And that if you were to measure the the performance of them in in a in a in a contrived situation where there's say a million DOM nodes on a page that you could you could measure and it would have noticeable slowness differences, but. It's largely been proven since then, and I don't think it was ever necessarily very true, that, that, a, that any particular CSS selector in an average or even fairly extreme situation would have really any, impact, any noticeable impact at all on page performance. It's just not a thing. It's just not something that you should be spending brain cycles thinking about what's more efficient than the next thing, or, or intentionally use an ID selector because, you th- because it's fast. It's one of those ideas that got lodged into a lot of people's heads. People talked about it, and it's just kind of bad news. And if I think there's an idea that should die, it's just worrying or thinking at all about CSS selector performance, uh, except in the most extreme of all situations, in which case you're, you're kind of you're, you're digging down into how browsers work, and you kind of need to be anyway because your situation is so extreme, e.g. millions of DOM nodes. Uh, you know what I mean. So th- that's an idea that I think should die. Let's not think about CSS selector performance anymore.
1: I think that's a a perfect example. I mean, it still comes up. You know, don't use the star because that's slow. You know, and and but it also like might work for your situation.
0: I've really used great. I've <laughs> used the star selector. It is the logo for CSS Tricks. <laughs> 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 forever on every website I've ever worked on through time, including all my production sites have star selectors in them. It is not a thing. It is not a problem.
1: Okay. It's, it, uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's interesting that we get hooked on these weird micro data points, you know? Oh, I'm going to make it a, one millisecond faster by not doing this thing. And you start chasing that all the way down to its like logical extreme. And you just made web design harder. Because you you kind of took one little thing and did it really seriously all the way down the line. Sure. I,
0: I, and the classic argument is that you could have spent that time doing something that had measurable performance or, or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So that's
0: just one little idea. Perhaps Dave and I will sprinkle our own little ideas into this. But we have asked some other folks out there, including you. So perhaps your if you sent one in, perhaps we'll get to it. Uh, and and some other folks have sent us audio clips uh, about their ideas, and we want to kind of hand the microphone over to them and have them give you as much time as they need to explain what their idea is of something on the web uh, that could die.
2: Hello, this is Brad Frost, and I think that the idea that must die is this notion that the web is this singular, definable, quantifiable thing. Uh, I often hear a lot of dogmatic language around what the web is, and that's often used to justify that person's like one right way of doing things. I think that, in truth, the web is very much like the elephant in that blind man and the elephant story you know what i'm talking about like each blind man touches a different part of the elephant and comes to a different conclusion about what what an elephant is right like the guy that that feels the elephant's legs says that the elephant is like a pillar the one that feels the elephant's tail says that the elephant is like a, a rope and the one that feels the elephant's trunk says the elephant is like a tree branch and so on right Of course, none of their definitions is correct because none of them have the full picture, right? We come at the task of creating things for the web, I think, with their own perspectives on what the web is, and that, of course, influences how we approach our work, right? We have tons of people working on the web, and they're all coming from tons of different backgrounds using tons of different technologies and tools to make things happen, and I think that that's fantastic, but, of course, that also means that they're all these different perspectives naturally end up sort of conflicting with each other. I think that some people's perspective of the web treats the web as just another runtime, like Flash or Java or whatever. And, and developers use that as, a, as an excuse to sort of put on horse blinders and, and focus on the latest and greatest technology and resultedly exclude a lot of people from their experience. Right? I, I love how Jeremy Keith rails against the phrase, the web platform, uh, because that phrase just sort of reinforces this notion that the web is, is just another runtime. But it's not, right? And rather, as Jeremy puts it, the web is this continuum of, of features, contexts, and environments. And I think it's, it, it's up to us to recognize that and act accordingly, Tim Cadlick recently had this great post called Thriving in Unpredictability. Uh, in, in the post, he talks about a lot of the things that he can't control. He says, I have no control over the network. It could be fast, it could be slow, it could be down entirely. I have no control over the end device. It could be a phone, a laptop, an e-reader, watch, TV. It could be an over-the-top-of-the-line one, or it could be a budget device with low specs. It could be a device released the other day or a device released five years ago. I have no control over the client running on that device. It could be the latest and greatest of modern browsers. It could be one of those browsers we developers love to hate. It could be a proxy browser. It could be an in-app browser. I have no control over the visitor or their contacts. They could be sitting down. They could be taking a train somewhere. They could be multitasking while walking down the street. They could be driving, I know. right? They could be colorblind. I love Tim's post. I think it's great. I think the more we embrace the fact that the web is so big and so diverse and that there are so many variables and unknowns in our world, the more likely we are to be you know, building more resilient, more robust, more future-friendly experiences for the web. As the edge of the horizon of the web universe grows beyond the sight of any one person, I think it's, it's becoming increasingly important to embrace that unpredictability of the web, embrace that unknown, embrace the things that we can't see or haven't experienced firsthand, and, and really recognize that the web is this multifaceted, diverse, amazing medium.
1: That was Brad Frost, writer, author, speaker, contributor to the web community. Chris, what are your thoughts? Bass
0: player. Uh, so, but Brad, Brad, what Brad thinks should die is is the thought that the that the web is predictable, or that the web is a, just another runtime. And I think what he means by that is that you just you you know you smash some data together and <laughs> compile it for the web, or compile it for a native, or compile it into a newspaper. Although that's kind of interesting to think of it that way sometimes. But uh, so, the, what would you if you had to give a sentence to Brad's. What does Brad want to die, Dave?
1: I, I, think, I think Brad uh, makes a really excellent point. I, I feel like we all use the, the Web, capital W, as, as a, a sort of – what would you say? Sort of a trump card in our argument. The Web is X, therefore my thing. I feel like that's something we, we obviously, we, we always argue. And, and, you know, and, and I think Brad and, and through Tim's post and, and other work that people have done, I, I think it's like very, very il- much illustrates the fact that like you, you can't tell people to upgrade their webs, <laughs> the, the web. It's really hard to stand on the, the web as a runtime, although, millions of people have a very good runtime installed but there's also an equal number of millions who have a very bad version of that run, runtime installed so therefore is it dependable or is it not dependable um i i think you know you kind of have to err on the side of undependable uh definition so therefore uh you can build <laughs> you you have to build towards the lowest common denominator but if you err on the side of the yeah, everyone's got a decent thing, a decent runtime. Then, I mean, you can build cool stuff, but you're going to hit problems with like compatibility because not not everyone has upgraded their webs or. So or stop
0: they- thinking about the web as one thing. It's-
1: yeah. Yeah, it's not just HTML and CSS. I mean, even today I I went to a website on my iPad and it was it didn't load. No text on this article. Maybe a web font died or maybe they, you know, but uh it, or maybe it was a, a HTTPS. Error. It's funny
0: that it's so but, it's it's so you remember it because it happened to you this morning. It's so prevalent. Yeah that that's that's what's so crazy about this isn't it
1: yeah and it, and it was a name brand <laughs> publication uh it's on every newsstand it is uh has very And it happened pictures. to you
0: in a city that has Google fiber in it i don't know if you have it yet but it happened to you uh, yeah. on your expensive device In a land of, on my expensive
1: internet. internet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So take away any of that and imagine how much more often it happens on top of that. I mean, hopefully, we're at peak awfulness for the web. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you you wonder when it's going to get better when things are going to turn and yeah. become rapidly better so.
0: maybe they will a, a hot topic as we record this is ad blocking. i think we should probably do a show on it so let's hold off on that kind of thought and brad would be excellent to probably have on that too because he has so much death to blank on this uh uh, uh that he talks about as well so so uh good thank you brad for the for the for the for the thoughts there and of course we couldn't agree more Hey, this episode was brought to you in part by CSS DevConf, the URL there, literally cssdevconf.com. It's coming up October 26th through 28th in Long Beach, California. So come on out, hang out with Dave and I. We'll both be there aboard the Queen Mary, kind of an unusual large docked ship that's now a kind of hotel and event space and stuff. Very much looking forward to that. It's going to be super fun. Uh, uh, Invest in upgrading skills in two days. Uh, plus there's a workshop day, by seeing what's happening next with building at the annual CSS DevConf. Go there to register for it. Uh, uh, get inspired by practical, actionable takeaways Hear keynotes from Gina Bolton Dave Rupert, Bellhead, Sarah Swidan. I'm going to run some cool little uh, side conference kind of stuff, I think Some show and tell, get like people more involved with just whatever you're working on Bring it there, tell me about it We'll kind of present it in some kind of space I think it's going to be kind of awesome uh, lots of sessions like container-based RWD with element queries. I totally want to watch that. I'm aware of what element queries are, but kind of want to like look at solutions right now. It's just I was just working on one like yesterday that was like I really wish there were element queries because I'd prefer to write queries for this module that can go on different pages and different scenarios. And oh, I wish that was a thing. Uh, there's ways, but uh, it's not quite in browsers yet. But maybe there's interesting ways, or maybe it kind of is. I don't know. Let's go to the talk and find out. Smoothly migrating to Flexbox, the dark arts of light speed. Ooh, weird. Stick around another day by adding a workshop to it. Anyway, you can you can you can check it all out. See all the speakers. See the schedule. See the the vibe at CSS Dev Conf. Uh, in a in a in a in a different vein, we have uh, uh, another guest who's going to talk to us about how even if your websites are doing a good job at being websites, there's <laughs> perhaps the layout for them is a uh, 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 little trite or uh, a little tired. A little tired.
3: This is Jen Simmons from the Web Ahead podcast. What is it that I think should die? I think the layouts that we're stuck in, this rut, we're stuck in a rut of layout, and we need that needs to die. What am I talking about? I'm talking about having a header, a sidebar, a main content column and a footer, and this sort of holy Grail layout where uh, all the content is in a straight line vertically on the page, and there's no variation whatsoever. You just have a sidebar. Why we still have sidebars? I don't know. Uh, It's been proven again and again by eye-tracking studies that people don't look in the sidebar. We've trained people not to ever look in the sidebar because mostly the content in the sidebar is so atrocious, so junky. used to be awesome. We used to put really awesome stuff in the sidebar. We, We used to go to somebody's blog and... Find all kinds of other blogs linked to in that cool sidebar, and you'd find like the old posts they wrote, and you could see what kinds of topics they had uh, written about, and you could click on their tags and their categories, and you could go read all the old content, and it was cool. But uh, it's been a long time since that's how the world has been, and yet we're still stuck in this uh, we're stuck in this uh, rut of having sidebars everywhere. Oh, and. And we're stuck in the rut of using 12-column or 16-column grid framework systems where uh, there's so little variation. And we end up with these kind of margins, like there's a margin down each side of the page, and it's exactly the same on the left as it is on the right, maybe, you know, at a certain screen size. you got this, like, one-inch margin running down both sides of the page. Um It's just, it's boring. And you know what? We can do a lot of cool other stuff, especially now with CSS Shapes or Flexbox or once uh, the CSS Grid Layout specification gets to be mature and gets uh, put into browsers. uh, We'll have a lot of other things that we can do. But even without using those new technologies, um, we can change up our layouts. We can do different things. Um, So I encourage everybody to rethink your layouts. Go look at a magazine or... I don't know, go look at architecture or music or film to get ideas outside of the web instead of just looking at websites and then kind of copying what everybody else's websites are without even realizing that's what we're doing because that's how, that's how we get stuck in this rut. Um, so let's kill it. Let's kill the sidebar. Thanks.
1: The sidebar meets an untimely death here on the Shop Talk Show.
0: Jen has a a full length talk on that subject that is worth seeking out. It's very good. Uh, it's a strong point, and it, it, it it's it's a hard one to face because all of us are so guilty of it. I know that I am. I'm literally working on a new design of CSS tricks, and it has a sidebar. It totally has mm-hmm. a sidebar. Like, should it should it have one or should it not? I don't know. There's some legacy stuff I feel like I'm dealing with, and that. It's 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 long had a sidebar. There's business, uh, like for example, that's where I put polls. So if I don't, if I if I really want to keep running polls because it's kind of a, a type of content that we run on CSS Tricks, where do I put that then? And it certainly is something that could be rethought. I could be just a footer section more, or there could be some kind of link elsewhere on the page that would get you there. But it's just it's some it's no like major idea has sprung to my mind and it just doesn't bother me so much that it is in the sidebar. So it's like, I don't know, just have one. And there's business concerns and that there's ads that currently are sold based on their position in the sidebar. So should that go away, it would be something that I have to kind of line up business-wise and let people know that I'm going to be removing their spot and can I sell them on an equally good or better spot without any evidence that it's going to perform as well. So that's a little tough, and and things like that. So it's kind of like, am I digging in my heels, or am I trying to make a case for the sidebar, or is it more complicated than that? Uh, if I if I get to start out fresh on a sidebar, I certainly would have Jen's ideas in mind because you know that's always such a great opportunity to, to start fresh. It's a fresh tech stack, it's a fresh layout opportunity, you know. But it's it's if it does it does feel like we are entrenched a little bit sometimes with when you're when you're on version fourteen of. <laughs> A site that's been around for for kind of a long time. It also is like there's 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 things that I there's things that need to be up top, and I'm not going to use the word the fold, but there's things like that you need. The navigation needs to be at the top, or or some way to get to somewhere that there's navigation that's very clear because just there's a lot of there's more stuff that can fit on a website than can fit on one page. That's what navigation is. That's got to be there. There's probably got to be some kind of branding so people know where they are um potentially some search and some uh and and some content because you wouldn't want to bury content too far away you want to get people excited when they get there so there's all these things that are kind of competing to to be at the top of the page you know not not including all the you know business stuff and advertising stuff so, so I think like the sidebar is this like quick answer to, well, I can put the content over here and I can put some some for example, the sidebar opens up an opportunity to to put an ad in, so I can I can do that and I can they can both win. They can both be at the top of their respective column. So I know I, f- I feel like I'm I'm arguing against Jen. I'm absolutely not, uh, but I just wanted to know that the conversation is is complicated. I feel like it it could it deserves like a, a a Tumblr or something. That's like here's some layout solutions that are unusual and interesting and effective that are also practical and have tackled some of these issues because there are certainly out there. What do you think, Dave?
1: I th- I I think Jen makes an amazing point. I, I think she and her talk uh, show studies about sidebar blindness, you know, eye tracking studies and, in, in heat maps where mouses clicked and moved and in the sidebar is always a barren wasteland. Um, Jerry McGovern, also an Advent parts speaker likes to point out that you're more likely to get struck by lightning huh. and quick click a banner ad um, it, like statistically more likely. So I find that, uh, fascinating. I find that. I, I find that shocking. I, I find that very uh, eye-opening. In in to my brain, I'm like, well, we got to do something about this. No, it's it's a it's a problem. Uh, in it. I think it is. I think people. Uh, treat sidebars like they do hamburger menus and, and the, it's a dumpster for, for your afterthoughts, you know, and ads. Uh, yeah,
0: you can say it. it's cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> for your polls and ads. No, I, I mean for, for your site, I, I, the polls are a very prominent part and it maybe doesn't make sense. Maybe it is a, a piece of content, but, but it's also a nice accessible to have it accessible in a sidebar or something. Uh, and if you were to put it at the footer of your article, it might just look like some weird recirculation module, and people would not pay it attention either. Um, I it's it is. I'm very interested. I think she's right. I think I think the the sidebar must die, so that we can either come back to it and do it really good, or. Uh, or do it really well. Jen said uh, Superman it,
0: does good. Look at magazines, and I think she's right. I'm always inspired by you Pick up a print magazine, and just the design of of so many of them are so good that it's like you're you know. And, and she even brings you know there's stuff in Jen's talk about like you know look at this beautiful uh, article and how it was treated on the web, and then look at look at it now on your phone and look at how garbage it is and how it, well it doesn't serve that. So the point is, you know, maybe that it's we don't have to talk about entire sites. Always and that that maybe there's a site that some kind of more traditional layout looks good on the homepage, but then you click and you read an article and the article is served differently the article ha- it does treat its content in a different more unique way with more unique layout and more unique things happening to it you know like like when we talk about sites sites are complicated and there's lots of pages on sites and sites different pages on different sites can be tr- can be treated in different ways so if if i'm trying to make this argument about where this poll is positioned well fine maybe it's in the sidebar uh, on on one on, on on some of the pages of the site but maybe when you go and click an article that's you know a long form article guest post kind of thing that it's its layout is is different the, maybe the poll isn't even on that page maybe it's a completely custom layout just for that post and i think that's that's common i think jen would thumbs
1: up that i sort of i sort of wonder if that's maybe the future i i think it, 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 you'll read a magazine and there's maybe 20 different layout article layouts in, in a magazine, uh, very unique to the content. Very, very, very structured, but you go to, uh, any blog or news publication and there's, there's two layouts, the homepage and the article page, and maybe the video page or something. Uh, I, I, I think we do need to, to give content more life. We need to kind of dream up different ways. This content can exist. You know, maybe there's, maybe it's the, the, difference between a featured article and a regular article. I've been experimenting a little bit with that on mine, my blog, but it, it, I, I'm not there yet at all. Um, but I, I maybe there, there is that idea that this is a big feature and this is just normal. Um, like this is a big thought piece. This is just something. I think the verge does a really decent job at this kind of their, their special posts get some special attention. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I think it's something kind of new ground that we can maybe take websites um, uh, here in the future. That's lovely. You know what, Dave? I
0: disagree. Uh- I think you're wrong. I think now that I know that you're wrong, you're also wrong about everything you've ever thought of. I question your judgment in shoes, and I'm not even going to read your next article. And you smell bad too.
1: This is really sudden coming from a person who's terrible, Chris. You are terrible, and you uh, do awful, terrible things. And I hacked your life because you're terrible. So, so that's as
0: I weep. Let's let's hear some opinions about why I might be weeping, and is there a solution to my sorrow?
4: I'm Jeffrey Zeldman. You may know me from Happy Cog, A List Apart, A Book Apart, An Event Apart, The Big Web Show, or the School of Visual Arts Masters of Fine Arts Program in Interaction Design. I like pie. And I have a problem. It's your problem, too. As a community, we have to stop demonizing those with whom we disagree. Attacking the intelligence, moral fiber, and grip on sanity of those who hold opinions contrary to ours, is nothing new on the Internet. It's as old as newsgroups. A minute after somebody started alt.opinions.design, a second person signed up just to tell the first person to screw off. And, of course, it's even older than that. Progressive groups that try to bring positive change to their community are always splitting into factions that despise each other. If you've seen Monty Python's The Life of Brian... And remember the sequence where the zealots are sitting in an ancient square, attacking other zealot groups for being splitters. You have a good idea how far back this goes. To J. Edgar Hoover, there was no difference between Lenin, Stalin, and Trotsky. But boy, did the Stalinists and Trotskyites disagree with that point of view. Ask two communists a question and you'll get three answers and four bullets. And minus the bullets, the same is true for social progress-minded web designers and developers. And it's equally true for reactionaries, who think the system is fair to everyone since it's always been good to them. Until we are free to disagree on the most sensitive of subjects without maligning each other's integrity, we will not be able to solve the biggest problems we face as a people and an industry. I'm Jeffrey Zeldman. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, I'm glad Jeffrey cited the life of Brian because... That actually spoke to me quite well, uh, Chris. What are your thoughts here? I, uh, do you think our industry has a a tiny problem with uh, crucifying their? It
0: does, and as Jeffrey, as Jeffrey said, so does every so does every industry probably. Um, hopefully, ours is better, but still bad, just because of the the nature of of, of disagreeing on things. It should be. <laughs> It's too bad when it leaks into really dumb things like, 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 like how fast a for loop runs or something. Cause even those arguments can get like weirdly angry and, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, we can't like you know. As Jeffrey was kind of saying, we we need to be able to disagree without kind of on a level playing field, or without like questioning their sanity or insulting their family or something. That like it, it's it's it often feels so strange when when arguments get to that level. And then like if how do you you know as the, as fancy people say, how do we unpack that? Like why do why do they go there? And when they're going there, is it a moment like a a moment of of, of insanity on their part, or does it feel like they're making a logical connection, and that and they're they're happy they they did bring that person's family into the argument in some way? Uh, I feel like sometimes disagreements feel bigger than they like when you're in the moment than they are from someone commenting on it from the sidelines a big one that has has gone down in the industry recently um was you know has gone down it, uh, is centered around code of conduct so people be like i don't think they need them for these reasons i think we they should have them for these reasons everyone has lots of of of, of opinions about it and unfortunately on both sides people have gotten uh things have gone too far so maybe that's worth doing uh, a whole show on at some point but you know there's no need to go a ton into it but you could um, you can imagine how bad things got i listened to an re- episode of of radio lab recently uh it was it was they they, they i think they intentionally delayed putting it out because uh, of the Cecil the Lion stuff because their story was about a black rhino and the story was very similar. So, uh, you know, a white male dude was granted this ticket to go kill a black rhino, and so. And I think people read it kind of headline deep and get real angry. And that you know he was reading out loud some stomach turning things that that got sent to him. Things about like family members and woodchippers. So, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get an like a, a, a explicit tag for that. Sorry if that was stomach-turning, but he gets even more detailed about a Those are the kind of threats that were made against him. And then you listen to the whole show, and you just kind of understand whatever you think about this. This is a very, very complicated issue. And you might even listen to that show and think that, that the, he was a dang near a hero by the end of it. I mean, I'm not going to say that, but... The, but <laughs> People make these extreme disagreements that, that 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 they feel good when they make them because they you know if there's this horrible criminal on the other side of this argument if I if I'm equally equally extreme in how I'm feeling about this back then maybe that like levels the playing field of of the world I don't know it's very it's it's hard it's hard to talk about it but then when you it's kind of like. I have to be extreme about this cuz I feel extreme about this and the the, per, the other per, other person is so wrong that they're the one that are dangerous. So imagine if you think that you think conferences should have code of conducts because you you would feel safer and if somebody that doesn't have one you feel like they're being they're not respecting your your body and your safety and your health and you as a person like I could see how that feels so very extreme that like I don't want to sit down on a rug and 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 powwow with you, and look you in the eyeball. I think you're a dangerous person, potentially. Maybe you know. So it's, it feels a little hard to to have like a one on one heart to heart with somebody when the when the argument is about something as extreme as or as it feels like. I don't know if I did a very good job of explaining myself there. But. I
1: think I think it's good. I uh, I think it's the the question of when is the when is there time for a nuanced discussion or, or I, I think that the we're, we're recording this right after the great iOS nine content blocker debacle, uh, where uh, again, we should probably discuss that in its own episode. But one thing that Marco Ar- Arnett said when he took down his piece app was like, this is a sledgehammer to the problem of ads on the web and performance on the web. Uh, I, I think we need a more nuanced discussion. And I thought that was, uh, really smart. And, and Marco may have been trying to get himself out of the center of that, that, that big, uh, debate. But I, I feel like, I feel like that's the thing. And, and, you know, if I were to add my kind of two cents to this whole, this idea must die thing, I, I think, you know, there, there's this, uh, it's the right thing to do is, is a, common argument, you know, uh, uh, like you should do that because it's the right thing to do. Um, I, I think like that comes off as, is a bit of a religious argument. Cause you're, 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 uh, implying there's a moral superior option, uh, that this is the right thing to do. Uh, why should I have a code of conduct? It's the right thing to do. Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm personally a fan of code of conducts. Uh, I, I think it's, I, I'm going to cite my own disagreement for why I support them. But I, when I listen to people, uh, who, who their lives are, are embedded by things like that, uh, or code of conduct, for example, there's countless stories, endless, endless, endless stories of people saying this makes me feel safer. And to, to, for me, it just seems like that is a, baseline experience, making people safe. And and I feel that. In
0: and there's opinion. arguments that, you know, somebody would listen to you who said that and they would have an eloquent, ready to go answer to, to be against it. You know, just like every political like, argument or whatever, they'd be
1: like, well, like I'm yeah, I'm not providing real safety. You're providing yeah. false safety, which allows for,
0: Uh, Sure. And then then somebody uh, else would have an argument that's ready to go against that too. And like, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg here. So, but, but doesn't it, it seems hard to have that conversation entirely level-headedly because it's about safety. Now imagine having that conversation about a war. You know, that's, yeah. So it's, it's kind of no wonder that people get so, so heated about it because it's hard to sit down with somebody who you think is, you know, you know, might shoot you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Jeffrey said that is you get four opinions and, or three opinions and four bullets. I, I think that's, I think what Jeffrey's sort of thesis is, is we need to not, not escalate situations which do not need to be escalated, you know, or, or, uh, or, or allow breathing room for longer discussions that, that can people can be wrong and, and people can uh, maybe like exist in a, a like opposite state as, as your opinion. Um, but I, how do you nudge people to a, a, a better place if you disagree with their opinion? I, I feel like that's a, a important tactic
0: we sure. And the answer is. isn't of course just be calm all the time. No, or no. Whatever, I, you
1: know. I yeah, I don't think it's just be calm, but I feel like it's it's like dig into what the the real problem is, you know, not just not just this this I don't know. There are some <laughs> the- rules like
0: never ever Question their intelligence or bring their family into it or, you know, there's some, there's some things like that that would be kind of good guidelines. Okay. So that, but doesn't this, this is, this is, this moves into, cause I, I, you know, I asked you earlier, you know, what, what are, what are, what are Dave Rupert's kind of, what would you say is, is an idea that must die on the web? And I think this goes right into it, right? Isn't this kind of your, uh what you would.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the ideal that that there is a moral superior in every situation, uh, and, and we can apply that. I I feel like that, uh, maybe needs to die. I, I think that there's the, a lot of, it's sort of what Brad was saying. A lot of people come at the web from a lot of different angles, you know, um, while it's maybe not right to, uh, have your site be inaccessible. Uh, And again, I, I'm pro accessibility while it's not right. uh, There's a lot of websites out there and people are trying to build things the best they can. And they're from other pressures that we don't see. Um, so, so it's, it's like, we can say like we can do better or Mm. what would be be
0: dangerous is be like, well, I'm going to start a name and shame website for, for for websites that aren't you'd say that would be in the extreme that would be the the, yeah. the problem because I mean, it I doesn't think- leave any room for any kind of more nuanced discussion about this stuff it's just it's just pulling out the jerk card
1: yeah i mean all that 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 the opposite the the i guess shamed party can can Come to a conclusion is that person's a dick, and I, I, I don't know if I should even listen to them. You know, it's, it's so, true because it
0: started kind of- with such an aggressive tone or whatever. That that why right. would I? Why should, what, what, doesn't the natural reaction for me to dig in and kind of protect myself against that rather than rather than try to figure out what they're trying to say and see if I can make myself better because of it?
1: Yep, I, I, I just. I think there's, I I I think we need to come up with better answers than it's the right thing.
0: Yeah, right. You it's know. like a little kid goes up to another little kid and says, "You're a poo
1: poo head." The other
0: little kid isn't going to go, "God, you're right. I should question my my bathing tactics and and see see what I can do. See if I can lobby my mom into buying more, you know, scented soaps."
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't. Uh, it's hard to defend anything that's just kind nah, of like you're like,
0: a, a poo poo uh, head too.
1: You're worse. That's head. that's what happens. <laughs> You're a double poopoo head. And I've actually used that argument on Twitter before <laughs> because somebody I said something and they were like wrong. And I was like uh, double wrong. No taxis these back because <laughs> I, I just they were just saying I was wrong with no justification uh, in any kind of way or or if i said you say one thing wrong and this is maybe the thing i think most needs to die if somebody says something wrong on the internet uh men and i'm speaking mostly to men here in tech stop correcting them just let people be wrong like they don't we don't need to tell everybody they're wrong it's that that xkcd comic where it's like hold on somebody's wrong on the internet this will take me all night or whatever it, we just just unfollow or 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 ignore mute there's there's lots of other options uh and you don't need to uh, take somebody down quote unquote in my opinion
0: Well said, Dave. This episode was brought to you in part by Braintree. Code for easy online payments. If you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payments solution, check out Braintree. I mean, it's literally what it is. It is APIs for taking money for stuff that you're selling on the web, like your web app that you're building, for example. So let's say you want to start taking credit cards. You want to start taking PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, uh, cards, all that stuff with a with a single integration, you use it. So imagine you're like writing a web up. You're like, okay, I want to take credit cards. So I'm going to use this API. I'm going to write all this stuff, take credit cards. Now I want to take uh, some other payment form too that's interesting to my web. Do you want to deal with an entirely different set of APIs that return different data and different formats and handle it all and deal with switching between those payment types and all that type of stuff? Do you want to deal with, how many APIs do you want to deal with? (laughs) you want to deal with one? Or do you want to deal with a whole bunch of different ones? Uh, That's why Braintree is so cool because it's kind of like a middleman API for lots of of things uh, that are very attached to pay. Because you kind of have to take PayPal. It's kind of stupid not to uh, just because there's a lot of people on it that prefer to pay with it and you're a little bit shooting yourself in the foot if you don't take PayPal. Just kind of my opinion there. Uh, Braintree deals with them with the same API as all the other payment types, which is pretty great. So, uh, sign up for Braintree. Use the go to the website and click the, the link in the show notes. If you do that, you get your first fifty thousand dollars in transactions transaction or, or uh, with with no fee uh, transaction fee free. <laughs> it's a little hard to say. Uh, but, yeah, pretty cool. Sign up for Braintree. Well, I thought we have a couple of quick hits that we can do real quickly that we don't need to dig in as far. But um, we put out a tweet a while back asking for ideas for this. And uh, some people maybe didn't have the time. And I know one person specifically didn't have the equipment to, to record an audio thing. So, well, I thought we'd read a couple of these tweets uh, because they're they're fun and in line with this show. So, uh, Barry Smith wrote in the current favicon system must die, which is funny. There's a post not so long ago on CSS tricks about if you wanted to, let's say your goal in on the web right now was to make a favicon that works perfectly on every single possible everything. And and not only just to favicon, but that kind of is an icon that represents your website. So that would include like touch icons control. and window things and whatever Android needs and all that stuff. If you if if that was your goal to be have a hundred percent coverage, it is a little crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's there, like thirty to fifty lines of code. I think that would need to go in your head to, to cover it all.
1: Yeah, it's an endless endless customization or. or- some, some browser or uh, operating system will just invent a new way that you have to put your website
0: Not on. to mention none of them support SVG. Like, what? Or maybe there's one that does now, but like that seems like the perfect opportunity. To... Ha! Huh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, let me read one more of the tweet ones. Um, J. Edgar Montes writes "And definitely something that must go is the browser prefix. They're such a pain and shouldn't exist in the first place. I think uh, he's talking about like Dash WebKit Dash and stuff. Uh, I think most people agree with you, Edgar. Uh, it feels like kind of a, or at least I think Blink even has a, some kind of document or statement that says we are not going to add any new ones. And they've come through with that. There's no Dash Blink I don't think, uh, maybe you know. I, I think I'll have largely come through on that. Maybe w- there's some citable examples where they haven't. I, c- I can't really speak to that, but I think have largely done a good job and said that they have kind of a new plan for how they're going to do that. I think it has to do with flags, which is a different mm-hmm. different way to go. So uh, they're on their way out.
1: So good. I, I well, that is to say, I, I think uh, Safari introduced a new one. The like dash Apple. Oh,
0: is it the Snap points System or? font?
1: the system font the system oh. like and and maybe even snap points but uh so it's a, I, I think they still exist and i think they're still kind of kicked around um sure but uh
0: you know I, as a whole it's on its way out a dying idea potentially
1: yep um all right uh, we have another audio one we have one from sarah Drasner. hi sarah a previous guest of the show here we go
3: Hey, my name is Sarah Drasner. I am a senior UX engineer at Trulia, and I think the idea that must die is that good design can't also be performant.
1: I think this is very interesting. I think there there is sort of a uh, idea that
0: they're sure I'm making is.
1: something beautiful. It of course it weighs thirty megs,
0: or you know there, <laughs> there, there there just has to be a hero on this page because it's really going to go a long way for the design of this site. That we, you know, we show off the interior of our office in our, you know, our, our foosball table and and kind of exposed brick walls or whatever at our, at our agency. Uh, and you may be you may be right about that, but there's probably ways to, to 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 do a good job with that as well, kind of responsive images and optimizing things and stuff. It shouldn't be, and you know, Sarah put it more, more. more, We should probably have just left it at that because she said it succinctly, and we're going to go on and on about it. But uh, (laughs) they don't have to be opposite each other. You don't have to say, "Well, I want this website to be performant." Thus, we shouldn't even try with the design because it just it can't be. We're optimizing for for performance, so so design is out the window. Uh, That's an idea that should die.
1: Um, we have some more tweets. Let's just, uh, we'll kind of rapid fire through these. Uh, Scott gel, not talking to us, but this is a bit of an OH. Well, somebody, yeah, (laughs) Uh, somebody linked
0: it to us, whatever.
1: Okay. Yes. Uh, The strategy for modal overlays where you offer two options. A yes, sign me up or B no, thanks. I'm a stupid idiot. Stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hate those, you know, like you like the, the more benign ones are like close. I don't like, deals or you know because it's some kind of they're trying to offer you some discount
1: yeah there's yeah i there i was walking in a home depot the other day and a guy says uh hi would you like to talk about lowering your energy bill and and the answer of course is or are you interested in lowering your energy bill and the answer of course is yes like why would i want to always pay more but he just wants to rope me into a long conversation where he tries to sell me something uh and so i i, I felt like that was very similar dark pattern tactic and i've seen some other dark patterns there, there's people where you're going through a flow you know and, and you're like no thanks i don't want that and it's like the are you sure screen and they flip the the positive and negative signal and they even add like priority to the to the opposite one to kind of trick you there there's a lot of little dark patterns out there kind of creeping back in um i i know companies just send you push notifications just so you have that little badge on your icon so that you open up the app <laughs> just so they get an app open in their stats so it's uh the world is a dark
0: place that seems like ripe for the onion app to do that be like we just we just put that <laughs> badge there just so you'd come you know. Uh, oh, and then and then it, as I was just reading down that Twitter thread, and Karen McGrain linked to cruelestopouts.tumblr.com and they are funny. Uh, don't oh, miss this Sunday awesome. dispatches. No thanks, I hate creativity. No thanks, I'm not interested in protecting my skin. No thanks, I prefer oh. my sex to remain awkward. <laughs> no thanks, minivans are more my speed.
1: I think I've I've gotten this from from. You know, like no thanks. I hate America, or so, you know, those those kind of uh, like posts where you 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 sign up for some petition or something.
0: Or uh, there's ones, so there's only is, one right answer that that's appealing to you on a moral level. Be like, I think that people shouldn't be killed in the streets. I agree, or I disagree. And, and to close it, they make you click on I disagree. You know, you're like so. I have to pick the morally incorrect choice to close this dialogue box. That is so awful. I mean, how? Who? Come on! That's just they. It it just they. I hope they just thought it was funny because if they, if if, if it even crossed their mind that it was anything more than that, (sighs) I'm Uh, mad at your family.
1: All right, Jeff Ayer. the idea that Jeff wants to die is stop treating users like idiots and stop researching your competition.
0: So that's an unconventional I'm, advice, isn't it
1: a bit? I think uh yeah, I think, you know.
0: Well, of course you should uh, stop treating your users like Well, stop treating your idiot- users like idiots, meaning meaning I don't know. think of them as a competent human being that they are. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, treat them as as humanely. Sure. Treat your users humanely, and then and then yeah.
0: stop researching. Me like I think you could probably get overwhelmed with with obsessing about what some similar company is doing rather than working on your own.
1: Hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can be kind of stuck in in trying to be like Facebook or or whoever your competition is, and you sure. know, you're if not. If
0: you have too much research in that regard, it might guide you that way.
1: Hmm. Yep. Um. And then. Um, we have a, two more here. One from uh, Mark Tom Tom's writes in: pop-up ads must die again. I think again, <laughs> apparently they're they're back. I think Gawker maybe brought them back, but then also I think uh that you know there's the full screener ads on mobile that are oh so popular. Um, uh, and then Rachel Smith, a friend of the show, writes in: uh, this was something she was tweet storming about one day. Uh, but how? about instead of writing think pieces on how all websites look the same we I don't know work on making a website that looks different question mark hashtag sick burn hashtag I couldn't agree more
0: well we we just talked we just you know talked about Jen Simmons thing and we 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 have you seen that there's there was some blog post that was going around that screen capped like 50 different web agency uh Sites And they were just all exactly the same. And
1: they're all saying, like, differentiate yourself from the competition, right?
0: Uh, And then we all, you know, as the sheep tweeters we are, laughed right along with it and retweeted it. Uh, So now there's, you know, all these sites are the same and all these tweets are the same. And none of us are actually (laughs) building websites that buck this trend.
1: We fell into a trap uh, of... Yep, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think I, I sort of along the lines of Jen Simmons' talk. It's just break. Let's break. Let's break out. That we're ripe for experimentation. So we should break out and and do things differently. Um, we're we're in tired old ruddy patterns. So I couldn't agree more. So well, Chris. What
0: do you yeah think? well speaking of kind of if you're if you're if you're um, really quite sick of uh Maybe you're even sick of the web. Maybe you just want some new a new runtime. (laughs) uh, I don't know, but there's there's lots of new stuff that's coming to the web. That's always like really wild, really interesting, really different. I was just remember when me and you were just at uh, at uh, in Chicago at AEA Chicago together, and uh, we were looking at a bunch of VR stuff. Dave, you've been kind of uh, continually interested in VR. Yeah. Uh, just because it's kind of impressive, especially that, like, why is it attached to the web? It seems like VR seems like one of those things that's like a computer related thing, but like not necessarily. F- for the web, but for some reason it works really well on the web, maybe because it's leveraging WebGL or whatever, which is cool, but anyway, there's a lot of VR stuff that's, believe it or not, happening on the web. Uh, and one company that's very highly invested in this is called VR. It's really altvr.com and they just so happen to be uh, hiring a virtual reality front-end UI engineer. So UIs that happen kind of in virtual reality, which is pretty cool. They write, we need design-minded front-end developers with a deep knowledge of modern web development to create next-generation user interfaces. Wow, what an opportunity, you know? Uh, uh, they work in Chrome, and they're, they have these VR APIs to, to present web apps uh, in holographic 3D to devices like uh, the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. Um and then they're like, you know, if you're sick of, <laughs> like, of supporting old IE or something, this is uh, this is not that. You know, you're going to be working with the the latest and greatest kind of APIs on, on new stuff. So, the job is at again Alt Space VR for front end UI engineer. So we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes. Pretty cool job opportunity up out there on the Shop Talk job board.
1: If you hate your job. Get a new one over at chapter com jobs Chris I think this ends our uh, ideas must die episode it's been kind of fun to to explore and and this if if you were inspired uh, write blog posts or send us audio clips because I think I would like to 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 keep bringing this up um, uh, we should never just let things linger uh, in in our our ecosphere so um, yeah Chris did you enjoy letting ideas fall off the vine Good. it
0: was just what I hoped it would be that there was there was um you know social ideas in here and 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 tech ideas and big ideas and small ideas and yeah well that, was, that's
1: that's gonna get. be it for us uh thank like should have
0: like a Tori Marilatina joke or whatever at the end here. But maybe next time.
1: <laughs> next time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to vote this up in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, five stars. It's just that easy. That's how people find out about the show. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. And, and I think, uh, yeah, that's going to maybe do it for us. But, um, oh, hold on. I'm getting getting another call here. Hold on. Just one second.
3: Oh, 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 oh. Hey, I have another one. Uh, this is John Simmons again from the Web Ahead. Um, what needs to die? I, I think a whole expectation that everybody in the industry is the same one flavor of nerd. That everybody is a 23-year-old white straight boy who likes to eat Cheetos and play video games and wear T-shirts from conferences. Uh, and maybe maybe you are a 23-year-old white straight boy living in the valley, in in Silicon Valley, wearing right now a conference t-shirt and eating some Cheetos. (laughs) Uh, That's cool. I don't mean to say that you're wrong. You're not. Cool. Rock those Cheetos. But what's so stifling and sometimes just overwhelming is this idea that we keep wandering around expecting that everybody is like that. Everybody wants to eat pizza and soda at this conference. Everybody wants to get as drunk as possible. Everybody is a man. Of course everybody's a man. Girls don't even like computers. Uh, of course everyone is white. How in the world could anyone who's not white have ever gotten into our industry because we're so awesome and they're so disadvantaged? Like, that's just so completely wrong. And I've been lucky enough, I've made decisions in my life to put myself into situations that are not like that. I just came back last week from a yet another conference where the audience to that conference didn't look anything like that tiny, tiny box that we seem to assume this industry is in. The whole industry is not like that. The whole world is not like that. Now, some conferences are like that. Some pockets of the world can be Or seem to be like that. And I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm almost at a point where I'm like over it. And I don't want to go to places that act like that anymore. I don't want to go to yet another conference where you can't even get some water to drink. Because the idea that everyone wants to drink soda is so ingrained that no one even bothered to bring anything except soda. Uh, And it's not about the soda. It's about this idea that we're all the exact same particular kind of person. Um, And that that's where all the money is going. All the VC funding is going to the companies that look like a white, straight, male dominated field. Um, And it's just time to grow up. It's time for us all, all of us to just grow up and stop acting like that. Because it's not the reality that I want to live in. It's not the world I want to live in. It's not the world that we do live in and anybody who keeps advocating this this idea that that is the world is intentionally advocating a world where sexism and racism and classism and crappy habits bad health dominates and that's not why I got onto the web i got onto the web because the web was a place after a century of a certain kind of power structure in a certain kind of way that, like, if you wanted to make a TV show, you had to go through these five big television stations. Or if you wanted to make a, a, have a band and make music, you had to go through these particular record labels. The web is a place where those rules got broken, just smashed. Anybody could start a band and put their album out there for the whole world to buy. Anybody can make a video series and put it online for the whole world to watch. Anybody can write an article or a column or report on some news and put it out there for the whole world to, to read. That's the web that I believe in. That's the web I want to see. And, and, uh, and, and how we went from this idea that the web was going to be freedom and access and redistribution of power, I'll say it, to this world where... You know, everybody is this one particular kind of person, and it's all about money. That's all we care about. That's not why I got into the web. And I don't think that's why the web was invented, and I don't think that's why a lot of people got involved in the web. So let's take it back from that idea, and let's make it something for everybody, especially globally, everybody to participate, everybody to feel like they belong everybody to feel like they can go to a conference and chime in or go to work and chime in at a meeting and have their ideas heard and not have this kind of oppressive, stifling, stereotypical idea of who's smart and who has good ideas and who carries, who's, who's around. Um, we don't need hoodies. The hoodie should die. Or the, I don't know, the hoodie stereotype. I don't know, I have to think about that. We'll come up with some words. That needs to go.
0: ShopDocShow.com.